FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 118 of the podcast that goes snick. Snick. We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. Yeah, we're going to do all things Wolverine February 2015. We got a lot to go over. We have um, four issues of the Wolverine's Wolverine. weekly series. The all-new X-Men are still in the Ultimate-verse. We kick off Black Vortex, which is a crossover between all-new X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy. And, um, yeah... A couple of little guest appearances. Got a lot to do. So, um, anyway, let's go ahead and jump to it, shall we? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Say we snicked around, but we're too busy healing for anyone to keep us down. That's right. It's time to catch up on the Wolverines. Mini, weekly mini, or I don't know, weekly whatever series. Uh, we have four whopping issues to cover. Five, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? Uh, it was Wolverine, but he died. <laughs> Poor Wolfie. I'm not sure there's anything <laughs> left in these two machines. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, so Wolverines, number five, is written by Charles Soule, with art by Jonathan Marks, uh-huh. uh, colors by Lee Luffridge, letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and FCO Palencia. And on the cover, we have X-23 and Sabretooth fighting off of a cliff. And they're doing weird Kama Sutra stuff. (laughs) Is oddly sexual. She's got her legs wrapped around Yeah, it's just his face is a little too close to her (laughs) hoo-ha. But other than that, it's actually a pretty awesome cover. Yeah. Uh, Of course, I like Nick Bradshaw. And I like that Sabretooth is, you know... His lip is kind of snarled in pain, but it's also kind of a half smile. He's enjoying it. Yeah, like, which is true to Sabretooth. I mean, I know this is the new pussycat Sabretooth, but still, you know, it kind of just reflects how much he loves just fighting. Which even Wolverine on his good days still loved a good brawl. So Sabretooth, he's enjoying the heck out of uh, going claw to claw with a midget female Wolverine. Well, and her, uh, her shirt's all, or her uniform, her unitard, whatever you want to call it, yeah. it's all ripped up. Yeah, Pussycat scratched her. Yeah. Ooh, Rainbow. Pussycat has claws. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty pretty sweet cover. I like it quite a bit. All right, so remember our um, our Paradisians, is that, what, is that how you would say that? Our Weapon X rejects, I like that better. And our Wolverines, 
have uh, found Sinister's Sinister Base. Uh, they jumped out of a plane, and but they they quit falling. And they learn that there's a bunch of clones, clones, clones everywhere. It's Attack of the Clones. This whole thing smells of Star Wars prequel, including the quality. Um, <laughs> they fight the clones. They get inside. They see a Sinister hologram, which is actually probably my favorite panel. Because Sinister looks tough. He looks like a badass. He also kind of looks like a genie. <laughs> the hologram looks like he's coming out of a magic lamp. I show rub, rub, shoe. rub. Yeah. Three anti-wishes. Because I'm sinister. Ooh. Ooh. Um, anyway, uh, so they run around the base. They find a bunch of clones. There's all kinds of crazy clones. And um, they fight all the crazy clones. And at the end, the X-Men show up. That's pretty much it. So, uh, what do you think of the art? <laughs> I would say it's better than, or I liked it better than what we've had from Marks before. But yes. part of it is, I think he actually did, like, art and didn't paint this. Okay. Because the colors are by Lee Luffridge, and I'm assuming you don't paint in black and white and then someone else color it. No. So, I think there's it's a little more comic booky, a little more line art. And, of course, Luffridge is an amazing colorist, so he did good uh, with the colors. So, I think that made a better package. Yeah, Mr. there Marks. were just panels that I thought were weird. Like, there's a panel of Nero and... Sojo. So what's his name? I Sojo? <laughs> what? Shogun? Shogun, sorry. <laughs> Temporary mind capacities. Yeah. Anyway, it it's just weird. It's like Shogun's like pointing but looking down and Nero's yeah. like, what? What? Is it, they're just parts that are weird. And I, I did leave out one important part. Uh, Nero decides that they'd be better off just dealing with Sinister, that he can fix them. Right. And there's no reason to do all this fighting and subterfuge. Let's just say, hey, let's, let's sit down, have a powwow with Sinister. He can fix us right up. You know, way to go. I actually kind of like that because it kind of, he's becoming more and more of a weasel every issue. Well, and, and I kind of enjoyed that part. And it, it makes sense because sometimes people who are super, super smart make some of the poorest decisions. <laughs> he's got book smarts. Yeah, yeah. He has no common sense smarts. So now that I got that covered, a couple of the art highlights for me. The scene where Shogun beheads one of the clones. I really enjoyed the colors yeah, on that. That one was awesome, especially the fact that it was in a sea of blue. No, it's all yellow. No, but on the page, it's in a oh, sea of oh, blue. Oh, right, 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 right. So between both pages, everything else is blue except for that yeah. panel. I get, I get you. I mentioned the Sinister Genie. There's an interesting panel. I don't know if I necessarily like it, but I... Lady Deathstrike's kimono looks really cool when she goes across this double page spread well and it i think it's supposed to be indicative of movement because she yes. jumps up and slashes and yeah. on the ipad it took me a while and i decided i didn't like it okay because on the ipad it's overly bright and saturated and it's just it i won't lie i had a really hard time following what in the heck was going on with this book because the art to me was i couldn't tell when it was the non-detailed panels, and they were kind of far away. I couldn't tell who people were, right? so I didn't know who was talking. I also liked the last uh, splash page of the X-Men With showing Storm up. Storm and Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's like distorted, but it looks cool. It's very angular. Yeah. And uh, Storm looks pretty sweet, and Colossus is just in the background being imposing. So, um, didn't really care a whole lot for the major part of the story. 
I like Sinister being a mad scientist. I mean, that is who Sinister is. And it's alive. I don't mind there being some humor with him as far as like, it's kind of ridiculous what a megalomaniac he is. Right. I don't like him being a joke. And I feel like in this issue, we have like all the Spider-Man clones and the Fiend Fang Foom with a Thor tongue. Yeah, that was it's weird. Just, it's too jokey. I don't see Sinister... I like, don't see him doing those kinds of experiments. Right. I don't either. And it makes Sinister just be a clown, and I don't like him as a clown. And so I didn't really appreciate that aspect of it. I mean, the action was fine, I guess. Phantom L still sneaking around. She's still pretty cool with her little... Or two foxes. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, anything else? Nope. All right. When do you want to grade Wolverine's number five? Unfortunately, it's only getting three out of six. Yeah. I'm also going to give it three out of six claws. All right. Number six. We're doing our alternating uh, authors. We have Ray Fox is the writer. Jason Masters does the art. Guy Major does the colors. Or maybe he's Canadian. Is Guy. I don't know. Guy Major. VC's Corey Pettit does Woo-hoo! the letters, and Simone Bianchi does the cover. And what's on the cover? So on the cover, we have Nightcrawler and looks like... Colossus. Colossus. Tackling Sabretooth. Yeah, and, and then in the Mystique. back, we have Mystique and Firestar about okay, to throw and, down. And you have Sinister's head. Yeah, he's, he's giving a sup. Sup. In the background. I'm sinister, yo. <laughs> yo. Where are my ex peeps at? Um, uh, it's kind of cool. I this cover. I like the foreground. I like this Nightcrawler Sabretooth Colossus bit. Uh, the rest I could kind of do without. Yeah. So this looks like it was all done in colored pencil, which it I very think well is... could be. Uh, Bianchi does a lot of different art styles, but he does a lot of marker and pencil stuff. Yeah, I was a little confused if it was marker or pencil, but I, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. Like, I like I like him. He has a very distinct style. Colossus's vest or his backside looks like marker, but then you can <laughs> definitely see like the yellow cross hatching of the pencils. Right. Like I said, I really dig our three central figures. I feel like the back just kind of clutters it up a little bit. Yeah, and I I kind of wish, and this is just me being an artist, because this is so hand-drawn, so hand-colored, I mean, it, it looks like a sketchbook, that I kind of wish the masthead also looked like it. The masthead just seems out of place to me now. You know, even the title? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because it's, it's obviously something that was built in the computer and pasted on top of it. Right. Yeah, as they do. Right. Um, I do also really like Mystique's hair. It's a little pinkish. I kind of like that. It's purple. Oh, look at mine. It's purple. Yeah, it does look purple on yours. There you go, iPad. All right, Yay, so iPad. the X-Men show up, and what happens? So the X-Men show up, and they're like, step away from Logan. Right. We, we're here to reclaim our friend. Yep. And Sinister's like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And they all get into a ginormous Everybody brawl. fights. Yeah. Yeah. Huge big old brawl and while this is all going on um, uh, sinister decides to take nero up on his offer he says you give me these guys with your control words and i'll fix you right up and of course shogun is like let's think about this like yeah. do you really want to do this because what's going to keep him from like 
destroying you. But Nero doesn't care. No. And so he uses a, a not a safe word. <laughs> They're not having sex. Um, <laughs> what? It's her control it's, word. Yeah, command word. Control command word. word. He uses it on a lady death strike, and Sinister has her attack the X Men. But what's interesting is the other Sabretooth X twenty three and Mystique. Mystique, they either stick their fingers in their ear or they pull their <laughs> eardrums out. They, all right, so X-23 and Sabretooth both stab their own eardrums. And we get a nice little close-up, like, medical diagram yeah. of the claws and the fingernails going into the ear canal, which I thought was kind of cool but kind of creepy, and I guess was probably supposed to be both. And then Mystique, like, literally metamorphs her ear into a knot so that she, <laughs> she can't hear anything. And I like... Masters did a really good job because X-23 and Sabretooth look at each other after this and they look like they can't hear. Like the facial expressions are, right. are nailed. I thought it was really cool. And Nero's like, why didn't it work? And Shogun's like, because they uh, cut out their eardrums. Yeah, you dumbass. He said they, uh, they, they cut away the part that makes them weak and that leaves you with nothing. So and then as everyone's fighting, Storm does this badass thing. Where she basically says, enough. I can rip the air from your lungs with the force of a hurricane. I can cascade electrical impulses into your brains and induce a violent seizure. And I can freeze your hearts and shatter your veins. Surrender Logan to us. Like, hello, that's all you need to say. And Sinister is like, all right, we'll take him. But, you know, I'm just trying to help everybody by bringing him back to life. I have no sinister motive at all. Excuse my name. That's right. So then Nightcrawler comes and bamps. But sinister, uh, what's the word? Initiates a system lockdown. So what, what happens here? I got really confused. So Colossus is hugging the, the test tube. He's about to pick it up. And then on the next frame, oh, never mind. I get it. Okay. So Phantom L ran off with it on a little, uh, little rolling cart. And she left a hologram. So that's Colossus' right. his hand is going through it. He's not yeah. hugging it. Sorry. I and, remember that now. Storm's telling Nightcrawler to go find it. And Phantom L goes Doctor Who and... Uh, Starts flipping through she dimensions. She teleports, yeah, through different dimensions and ends up with her team. And um, Storm says she's going to lightning strike Sinister, but I don't see the lightning. We hear it. And he falls down. And they, of course, they ask X-20... Well, I think this is the lightning. This little square panel with a fist, that's him being struck by lightning. Oh, okay. The fist looks cool, but... Anyway, the X-Men are like, X-23, what are you doing with these scoundrels? Um, and then the uh, the base starts to self-destruct. And this is actually a really cool panel when they're kind of... Because it does look like they're floating or being tossed through space. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. So... Wherever they are starts to self-destruct. Sabretooth is like... Well, him and Colossus kind of have a standoff. They're like, Sabretooth says, well, there's no reason to fight. The body's gone. Sinister doesn't have it. So either you guys have it or our guys have it. And either way, it's fine. And Colossus is like, so if we have it, you're going to let all this go? And Sabretooth's like, eh. Eh. And they get ready to fight. And then we see uh, Phantom L and her... Uh, our Weapon X rejects are about to escape with Wolverine's adamantium encased carcass. But and then Nightcrawler shows up. And I like how he just kind of casually sits on top of it. Yeah, like, what's up? Hey. And then, of course, he teleports it away. 
But then, while well, they're all confused, so as this to is what's a little bit of a on, flaw. I thought. What? So Sinister gets struck by lightning. Uh huh. Then he he crawls around. Uh huh. And then he's laying on the ground after he got struck by lightning, foaming out of the mouth. And Storm says, "I'm surprised he survived the shock." Well, maybe he teeter tottered up, started foaming, fell over, and now he's on the ground. I don't know. I'm not buying it. Okay. What I thought was interesting was they found Endo. Or th- or they think they found Endo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I forgot about that because I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, so basically Firestar gets between Sabretooth and Colossus. Sabretooth again pleads his case that he's now a pussycat. And Colossus says, I should kill you before you kill everybody else. And then Lady Deathstrike, while yeah. all this is going on, decides she's going to claw out Sinister's eyeballs. Yeah, so she does. And then everybody goes their separate ways. Of course, we know that's not the end of Sinister. It never is. Well, and Mystique is like, we're not going anywhere. And so she turns into like man well, Yeah, so Sabretooth and X-23 are like, well, we failed. Let's all go home. And Mystique hulks out. <laughs> so what do you think of the art on this one? So I, I thoroughly enjoyed the art on I, this. I did. I'm not super familiar with Jason Masters. He has a cool first name. But for the most part, I enjoyed his art quite a bit. I, I enjoyed his art a lot. It's the story that I had a hard time with. Yeah. I like that, like... So I like that Nero actually, like, takes his betrayal a step further. Yes. Like, actually tries to use the words. I thought it was cool that our, that our Wolverines... Literally cut off their hearing so that it wouldn't work. And it kind of puts Shogun and all the uh, Weapon X rejects in their place. We didn't have all the stupid clones, so that was better. Uh, the fighting was cool. Uh, Nightcrawler getting the body was cool. W- what didn't you like about it in particular? I guess Besides the very last page. I didn't yeah, like Mystique didn't like hulking Mystique out. Hulking out. I'm having a really, and it's just me, I'm having a really hard time with Sabretooth being like, because I feel like he says it all the time. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm a good guy. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm a good guy. Yes. I know it's hard to believe, but I, I don't want to hurt anybody. But we have to remind the reader that he's not your old school classic Sabretooth. So I admit it's a fine line. It's a difficult balance between recapping things and dialogue so that new readers can pick up. Yeah, I just felt like it was redundant. And on top of all that, he... He was ready to take out Colossus. Well, but I think because he knows he can't do a whole lot to Colossus. I mean, he doesn't have adamantium claws like Wolverine. He just has, he has really sharp, tough claws, but him and Colossus tussling isn't going to do much harm to Colossus. Okay, but, hi, I'm the, I'm the good Sabretooth that doesn't want to hurt anybody. But he still anybody. likes to fight. We've established that. Just because he's good doesn't mean he doesn't want a good brawl. Again, he just doesn't I just, want to kill people. I have a hard time wrapping my head around that one. <laughs> All right. Well, so when are you going to grade Wolverine's number six? Four out of six. Oh, I felt like we were about to go to a very different place, but I'm also <laughs> going to give it four out of six claws. I cannot like something but enjoy one aspect so much that it takes over. Yeah, the, the art was that good? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I enjoyed it, definitely. Anyway, uh, Wolverine's number seven. We're back to Charles Soule. Now we have Chris Anka. Matthew Wilson does the colors. VC's Corey Pettit Woo-hoo. does the letters. And the cover is by Alex Garner. And on the cover, we have kind of a 
It looks like modern TV animation. Like yeah, it your looks Disney, like, um, Nickelodeon cartoons. Oh, it looked like a... It's very computer-influenced, but still animated. It looks like an Xbox game. See, I think it kind of looks like the Clone Wars or the new Ninja Turtles cartoon. Uh, Something like that. Anyway, we have... It's kind of layered kind of digitally. So we have Shogun and Lady Deathstrike about to make out in the back. Yeah, but what's cool about it is, so Shogun's got one arm behind his back, and with he's holding his sword, yeah, and, and Deathstrike. Deathstrike's got her arm behind her back with her claws drawn. Yeah. So, we love with one hand and murder each other with the other. Ooh. Just like our marriage. <laughs> You're so sleepy on the couch tonight. <laughs> yeah, but I really like Mystique's eyes. The color yeah. in them with the yellow, the red, and the orange looks cool. Then we have like a ghost Japanese... Pagoda? Is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. I'm having a Japanese brain fart. I think a pagoda. Pagoda. I don't know. The little Japanese temple. The little Buddhist temple thing. Anyway, we have one of those glowing in the back as well. What I think is brilliant about this cover. I think it's a pretty cool cover. Is Mystique's hair follows, like, it looks like folds in Lady Deathstrike's robe. Yes, yeah. I really like the way it was put together and constructed. It was pretty awesome. If only the rest of it was that good. So Hulk Mystique says, we're not going anywhere. I own you. All of you. If you guys abandon me, I will make your lives a living hell. I'll be your Cobra Commander dad, Lady Deathstrike. In X-23, I'll make love to you as Angel. And Sabretooth, I don't know. But... (laughs) (laughs) I'll do something to you. You have no attachment to anything, but somehow I'll mess you up. And then so we find out for sure that the other half of Shogun's team uh, stayed with Sinister. That was not clear at all from the last issue. No. Not even a little bit. Not even like a microscopic maybe. But anyway, apparently they stayed there. (laughs) Yeah. New home. Yeah. And so. Please uh, forward the mail too. Yeah. Uh, What? Not freak. What's what's his name? Jerk. Jerk? Junk. 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 Sorry. He's working on his venom spit power. Like the, uh, the dinosaur from Jurassic Park. And um, Dawkins moping around with his one arm. And one eye. And then Mystique talks to Shogun. She's looking at, looking at her cassette of destiny. And she says, basically, um, we're going to still work together on this. And I need you to get me something. Oh, and by the way, throughout this whole series issue, we have something flying through space every now and then. Uh, Ogun tries to tell Shogun not to trust Mystique. She's a manipulator, and he says, "I know that. Duh, gosh, leave me alone." And then, um, I do feel like their conversations are becoming like very teenagerish. Very tedious is the word you're looking for. So we see that uh, Mystique wants to steal something called the Sun Dragon, and they go to this temple, and uh, Red Hood makes a distraction, so everyone attacks him. So we have this golden. I don't know, dragon penis thing. <laughs> it does look like. Then the coolest panels of the book is Shogun fighting all these uh, yes. Chinese military guards. And it's all like in red and orange. It looks really sweet. Yeah. Then Shogun gets mad at Ogun for stabbing the guy because he was just trying to take him out nice and quiet. And Ogun tells Shogun, I'm not holding the sword. Uh-oh. So anyway, uh, Mystique and Shogun meet on top of a roof. I do not like the way this mystique is drawn. Really? Well, look, this panel where 
it's Shogun and he's sort of cat-like on top of the building. Yeah. Mystique has like weird leg muscles. Oh, on her leg? Yeah. Okay. I guess so. Anyway, Mystique says, all right, thanks for the help. Now you're going to give me your safe word. And he's like, the hell I am. And I keep saying safe word. The, con- the control <laughs> words. Um, and Do she it goes, again. well, <laughs> I like how when I say safe word, you think of Lion King. I think you have some hyena. kind of sexual fantasy with Lion King? <laughs> no, it's just the bell and the cactus. And she goes, ooh, do it again. The hyena that is no, played by Whoopi Goldberg. It again and say it again. He goes, Mufasa. And she goes, ooh, say it again. <laughs> so I'm changing it for do it again. Okay. Well, anyway, she says, yes, you will. You see this gun I got on you? I pre-programmed it to shoot you. And um, however many, whatever, 30 seconds, whatever she says. 20 seconds. And if you control me, I can't unprogram the gun. And if you don't give me the word, I won't unprogram the gun. So you lose. And if you if you shut me down, you can't move to the left or the right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the gun has a motion sensor. It's trained on him. If he jumps off the building, the ship will follow him. I don't know. Anyway, he, he caves in. He gives her the word. He gave her a word. Oh, yeah, I guess we're going on the honor system. Because here's the deal. The erase word, how do they know it really erases all the controls? I don't know. Because I could be like, yeah, Pepsi is your control word. tic-tac-toe, baby. But anyway, so apparently he says that he gives in. Interestingly enough, Mystique doesn't want the words for anybody else, just her. She's like, hey, you keep the other words. I don't care about those fools. So then um, Lady Deathstrike comes in to attack Shogun, they fight, and then they make out. And we see that uh, this tape, this plan that Mystique is following, is Destiny leading her to the letter from this uh, cassette tape that has a hologram. (laughs) It's very both archaic and futuristic at the same time. Anyway, basically, Mystique's plan, her end game, is to bring Destiny back to life. Yes, now I'd also like to point out that when Shogun and Lady Deathstrike are fighting, uh, she swings at him, he blocks it, and she says... How? How did you know that counter move? And he goes, you know how. And then they get into an embrace. Then they so, start mugging down. And then yeah. they both go, hmm. Well, then his uh, red mask cuts her cheek. Yeah. And they both get off on that. So I'm wondering if they know each other. See, I don't remember them having any history together, but I could be wrong. Ogun doesn't have any history together. That doesn't mean that the guy... Maybe Shogun does? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he did, because Mystique tried to tell her, or tried to tell him, hey, Lady Deathstrike likes you, and he said, no, she wants to kill me. I just assumed it was because of the situation, but maybe there is a past there. I don't know. I would be surprised, but you could be right. Anyway, then something crashes, and this something is mad that that they killed his best friend, Wolverine. Uh Uh-oh. Which, the fact that I had no idea who this was, kind of skeptical about the best friend part. Anyway, so what do you think? best friends for once here. You'll find out later. Right, Spoiler. right. Yeah, next issue. So what do you think of the art in this one of Chris Anka? I liked it. Yeah, I always like Chris Anka. Um, and I actually enjoyed this book more than the previous two books. I enjoyed this a lot more than the previous two. thought the story was pretty good. Nice action. The intrigue of Mystique and kind of her plan and her end game and all her manipulation was, was pretty sweet. Yeah, whatever about... Uh, Shogun and Lady Deathstrike being a couple I can ruin either here or there. It's interesting to, to, depending on where it goes. The only thing I didn't like was kind of the, uh, all of a sudden half the team was gone with a very thin explanation. 
But I agree. I'm blaming that more on the last issue than this issue. Yeah, the last issue really didn't set this issue up. Wondering if Fox didn't really uh, go with Saul's outline and didn't cover everything. Possibly. But anyway, um, I'm going to give Wolverine's number seven five out of six claws. I too am going to give it five out of six. Oh, so so far for this month, every issue has gotten a little bit better. Maybe. Let's see what number eight does. I bet that'll be six out of six Ooh, claws. So number Wolverine's number eight. Is written by Ray Fox. Art by Juan Doe. Letters, VCs, Corey Pettit. Woohoo. Woohoo. And we have another Bianchi cover, this time with Adriano Delalfi. And I apologize if I said that wrong because he did a good job. I actually like this cover quite a bit. Um, I don't like it. Basically, we have Fang with big werewolf ears. doing. I didn't know he could shoot stuff out of his hands, but I guess he can. And he's shooting our, our wolverines uh, kind of in the middle there. And um, I like how Fang looks very impish. Kind of like a, an elf from Harry Potter. Actually, he does look like the... Or a goblin. I'm sorry. A goblin yeah. from Harry Potter. I was going to say, he looks like somebody who works at Gringotts. He's on yeah. vacation. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, like, I really like Mystique on this cover. I won't lie, I'm not fond of the art. The cover didn't do anything for oh, me. Okay. I like the cover. It did have me worried. I don't really like Fang that much, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so basically, Fang shows up and is mad that Wolverine is dead. Apparently, he has some annual standing party with uh, Wolverine, one of his best friends. Once a year, they get together, share stories, and drink. Well, and go on adventures. Well, they go on an adventure. Right. So apparently this uh, this Fang guy, who all I ever knew about him was that Wolverine, quote-unquote, killed him and took his clothes because he lost his uniform in space on the Shi'ar planet. Oh, that would be why he looks like Wolverine. Yeah, so Wolverine borrowed his costume. And as far as we know, Fang was dead. <laughs> and I guess there's some other story where he died so again later. So Wolverine's just peeling off dead people's clothes. We needed clothes. He, was, he didn't want to run around space naked. Why didn't he just go to his local bar? He was in outer space. Anyway, apparently this Fang guy is really huge and really tough now and has like godlike powers. I had he no idea. He is a god. Or he refers He's a wolf. To He's an angry wolf god who loves fighting and adventure and has a really cool belt buckle. He has a fangy wolverine belt buckle. So anyway, after he, he just wants to, to have some sport, he says, but eventually... He decides, you know what? You guys didn't kill Wolverine. I'm sorry I lashed out at you. I wish I could have been there to, to help him not die. And X-23 says, so do we. And um, he says, okay, well, since Wolverine can't go on me with an adventure, all of you will, one at a time. Docking, come on, let's go fight Frost Giants. Because <laughs> that's what I want to see in my Wolverines miniseries. A one-armed, one-eyed Dawkins fighting a Frost Giant with a D-list Shi'ar character. <laughs> Thank you, Marvel. I cannot be any less interested in this issue. I thought the art was fabulous, but yeah, the storyline was... I thought the art was okay. I feel like they're like, hey, so we got this really big thing happening, so we need something to Let's bridge the two together. <laughs> no, I feel like we're taking a break. You know, because we definitely don't want the series to resolve or go anywhere before Secret War starts and all this gets erased. I know what this is. Have you ever played the game where someone starts a story 
And then someone else has to finish it. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's what happened. I feel like, like every other here. issue, Ray Fox comes in and says, hey, what do you want to do with this story, Charles Soule? Okay, let's do this. He's like, I don't like that. Let's do this instead. I also feel like our next five issues are going to be people running around with Fang one at a time. And I'm going to shoot myself. If that is the case, I am going to yawn and refuse to do that part of the podcast. (laughs) If that's the case, this section on our next episode will be five minutes long. Yeah. And they went here and we're done. Yeah. One out of six claws. (laughs) Well, speaking of one out of six claws, that's what I'm giving Wolverine's number eight. I'm giving it two out of six just Just for for the the art art. and the colors. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, anyway, that's our, uh, that catches us all up on Wolverines. Wolverines. Hey, hey, we're the Wolverines. People say we snicked around, but we're too busy healing for anyone to keep us down. Okay, so next up, we have our Wolverine Roundup. Yee-haw. And we're going to do this... A little bit early this episode because you know what? We got to wrap up this uh, trans-dimensional all-new X-Men story so uh, they can get ready for their Black Vortex crossover. Ooh, my head is spinning. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, all-new X-Men number 36, which of course has X-23 in it. What do we got here? Well, writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Artist is Muzrod Azrar. Did I say that right? I feel like you just morphed his two names together. <laughs> I think I did too. I was trying to <laughs> listen in, in my I, voice how you, you said it's it. It's like you took all the letters <laughs> and threw them up on a board and then rearranged them. So you had all the letters right, but not the right. <laughs> anyway, I believe, and I'm just going on what I've heard other people say, and that is Mahmoud Azrar. Okay. Colorist is Marte. <laughs> Marte Gracia. Marte Gracia. And the letterer is B.C.'s Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Woohoo! And so uh, the cover is also by Azrar and Gracia. And uh, what's on the cover? Our well, awesome, awesome cover. We have X23 in her I'm pissed off look. Yeah. <laughs> and we have Sabretooth in his I'm gonna get you look. I'm sorry, who? That's Sabretooth. No. Nope. Oh, no, sorry, that's Dawkin. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Care to try again? Want to go for the strikeout? Who am I missing? This is Ultimate Wolverine's son, James, or Jimmy, or whatever oh they're calling Oh my gosh. Do you know how <laughs> I need a whiteboard keep everything straight? Anyway, they're in the foreground, outline in hot pink. And then in the background, we have the all-new X-Men facing off against the Ultimate X-Men. And I just, I think the colors, for one, are fantastic. Well, I do like how the background is in very muted tones while X-23 and James mm-hmm. are in the foreground and very bright and vibrant. Yes. I also like how the cloud or the sky in the background looks like like one of those really wicked like fall storms we get here in Texas. And that's yeah. tornado weather right there. That is tornado um, weather. Where's Storm? Is she in there? There she is. Yeah, she is. And then we got lightning, and she's got little lightning coming out of her hand. Anyway, I think this is a fantastic cover. What do you think? Besides getting the guy's name wrong, I think it was awesome. <laughs> yes. You All will right. edit that part out, right? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the arm until you do. <laughs> so remember... Uh, the all-new X-Men were, were chasing down a new mutant, and her uh, 
power is to hop dimensions, and she sent the all-new X-Men to the Ultimate Universe, where hijinks ensued. So that's kind of where we are. So we open up, and we are at Doom. Is that Castle it? Doom, yeah. We're at Doom, and Doom is looking out over all this carnage and X-Men laying on the ground. He goes, you foolish children. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice double-page spread. It's an awesome way to open the book. Well, it's great. And uh, I really, Ultimate Spider-Man, or Miles, looks particularly like broken. Of course, we know he just got zapped by Doom at the end of the last issue. And um, he just, the way he's laying on that rock looks like he's just, he's just, he's broken. He's battered. It looks really cool. I personally like when you look around, you're like, oh, there's Storm. Oh, there's X-23. Right. Oh, there's Warren. Gene laying on top of Gene. And I like, um, I think that's Kitty Pride laying on top of James, but it, the way she's laying on yeah. top of him, like it's very... Um, well, she looks like she's bent in half. Yeah. Like everybody just looks just destroyed. Yeah. It's a great panel. And Doom picks up Spider-Man and he goes, ah, oh, you were courageous. I really wanted to study you. And Gene wake, uh long-haired Gene. <laughs> <laughs> Our all-new Gene. So anyway, Gene wakes up and yells, Miles, no! She puts on her Powerpuff Girls psychic energy and she starts attacking Dr. Doom. And he goes, you do not touch me. And then there's a very cool Harry Potter battling of the wands sort of panel. You say Harry Potter, I say classic comic book. It's the classic Harry Potter, yes, Voldemort. It is, but they did not come up with that. <laughs> In my mind, they did. Yes. Uh, anyway, it does look really cool. It's her pink power and his yellow <laughs> power. Um, pink power. Pink power, yeah. So basically, they have a little mind fight. Well, an energy fight, yeah. Yeah, an energy fight. And then. And Doom says she's the strongest telepath. And or, sorry, strongest psychic that he's ever met. She has his respect. And he says, but you won't win. And that's when she informs him, I wasn't planning on winning. I was secretly waking everybody up. And then the next panel, which is really cool because it's a double page spread. So the top part is Doom looking behind him and seeing that all the X-Men have woken up. Right. And, and Miles. And Miles. And then underneath you have the little slivers of everything that's now happening. Right. Which all looks awesome. Yeah. Well, because each one's like a different, its own different color. Yes, and I really like the color work and the art, uh, particularly on Storm, the way her hand starts lighting up. And of course, we have the two ice men making a Doom snow cone. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Doom's face, like the, the way the glossiness of his eyeball. Yes, yeah, when he gets scared. Yeah. And of course, he, uh, he disintegrates or goes away, probably teleports somewhere, I'm assuming. Um, and so basically, the X-Men go, this is awesome, but you know what? Just in case... And they go back into his little fortress and Beast, Young Beast. Young Beast, yeah. Basically implodes Castle yeah. Doom. He sets to self-destruct, which I thought was really funny because he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. And they run off to the to the other side of the village, which is quite a, quite a run they did there. They had enough time to do that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Young Gene is like, you got me excited for what exactly? And then finally it blows up. And my favorite is Beast's sort of little brainwash me you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah that was pretty cool then we have <laughs> like how our young Iceman is like can we go home because otherwise i need to get a job yeah i love Iceman's commentary yes i do too so then we see our new mutant 
<gasps> and she's hopping around different dimensions, and we get a little splash of a old man Logan world. Yeah, and who's is that the thing? Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, I gotta say, uh, Azrar's thing looks awesome. Yeah, I don't know what he's gonna be doing post Secret War, and I don't normally, I don't really get into Fantastic Four that much. But I'm just gonna throw it out there, Marvel. If you want me to buy a Fantastic Four book, if uh, my Azrar draws one, I'll give it a try. All right, that's his, powerful. His thing looks amazing. Yeah. And of course, we have old man Logan cutting chunks out of the things of Rocky Hyde. And the girl's like, uh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and so she goes away. And then she goes to uh, Asgard. And the, uh, what's the, I don't remember the fat guy's name with the red beard and the pink suit. I can't remember. But, um, anyway, he's like, mortals shall not be here. Quit coming here. I don't want your Girl Scout cookies. So. Then mints do not mesh with mead. <laughs> That's just wrong. Thin mints mesh with everything. No, mints do not mint. I love minty flavored stuff, but you cannot eat it with everything. I don't know. Have you ever had a mint and then had a Coke? No, I don't drink soda anymore. Well, no, but back in the day. Probably. Uh, that's gross. <laughs> it ruins the taste of the Coke. Or does the Coke ruin the taste of the Thin Mint? That'll get your noodle twisting. I don't know. Uh, so she... She uh, basically bounces back to Ultimate Universe... And all our friends find her. And they're like, here, let us help you. Let us help you find the world you belong in. Right. And don't freak out on us again. Right, yeah. Basically, like, we're all in this mess because uh, maybe we were too aggressive. We'll admit, we'll, we'll take partial blame. But uh, let's all help each other. Click our red crystal ruby slippers together and no place like home, right? Now, I have a question. Wasn't yes. the mutant in the beginning blonde? That is too long ago for me to remember. Just wondering. So basically, they, they make a little plan. One gene's going to keep her grounded while the other gene guides her. Yep. And uh, Iceman X... And the, well, really, I guess they, they pointed out with Iceman and X-23, but probably everybody, it's their job. If anything pops out of the wormhole, to kick it back in. Yep. So they... She, and Miles is like, oh, what's going to come out? <laughs> So she opens the hole and we see House of M. Oh, is that what that was? Yep. Missed it. Yep. Sorry. That's okay. You weren't around back then. Oh, you were around. You weren't reading comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're like, oh, that's not the right thing. And Iceman's like, oh, close it. <laughs> so then they open it again and we get these weird. Yeah, this is new. I don't know what this is. It's cool, though. What are those half-man scimitars? Is that what they're called? Uh, kind of, but they're actually, they're, there's all the horse, though. They're just, like, conjoined with the horse. Uh, basically, it's the four horsemen of Apocalypse. Uh, we have a Wolverine, or possible, the James, when they leave, which, spoiler, they leave, uh, the James character is like, is that me? And I, at first, I was like, no, it's not. That's Wolverine. That's, you know, it's just an alternate Wolverine. Because I just assumed that the part of the uniform was part of the old cow, but that could be blonde hair. Right. So it could be him. I don't know. Anyway, we have a Wolverine or a Wolverine stand-in on a horse, and he's in white and black. And we have a white and black, like, Spider-Man horse, and then a Scarlet Witch horse, and then a horseman I'm not sure of that actually does look like a centaur, like you said. Yeah. Or a centaur, or is it Minotaur? No, Minotaur is the bullhead guy, right? I think so. Yeah, centaur. And this, these actually have to fight these guys out. The House of M guys are too distracted fighting each other. 
<laughs> they, they can just kind of sneak out. These guys are like, ah, somewhere else to conquer. And the X-Men have to fight them back. X-23 lunges at the Wolverine horse. And so things aren't really going well. You know, they're trying to figure out how to come home. But uh, Beast has a good idea. His idea is that however she opened the hole the first time, it has a unique uh, synapse firing. Yeah. And so they're like, you just got to tap into that. Right. Retrace her steps, basically. Yeah. Find that pattern in her brain and do it again. So her eyes. Recreate it, so to speak. She decides she'll try one more time. Her eyes get all glossy. And I love Iceman's statement, please don't be a giant killer me. Well, I like, you know, because her power kind of makes like this hurricane thing. Right. And I like how it shows up in her eyes before it comes out. And that's really yeah. cool. Kind of reminds me of the storm in the X-Men movies. And then uh, Jean Grey sees Iron Man and, and Thor. Th the new Thor flying around. So we have Superior Iron Man and Lady Thor. So Jean decides she's going to read Iron Man's thoughts to make sure <laughs> that's their Tony Stark. Which she was completely disturbed when she yep. read his thoughts. She was like, ew, wasn't him? Yes, but ew. <laughs> <laughs> I the ultimate Jean has one of my favorite lines in the book. Such is my thesis, no matter what dimension you're from, never read Tony Stark's mind. <laughs> yep, so they decide they're going to go home. They all say their goodbyes. Jean gives Miles a kiss. Yeah, which I really like what she says here. She goes like, you know, you're Spider-Man and you're brave, and that's part of being Spider-Man, but you were also a really good friend to me when I needed one. Yeah. And she gives him a little kiss on the cheek. You're the best. Yep. And she get waves by as he holds his hand where she kissed him. And then They're I love, love. I love uh, alternate universe Gene. She's like, just because she kissed you doesn't mean I'm going to. And he's like, this mind reading thing is really not fair. Yeah, that was my second favorite line. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they go home. And uh, we'll see. I kind of like uh, young Gene and Miles. We'll see. Maybe they can get something going during Secret War again. Yeah. Be reunited. Because it feels so good. Reunited. I'm so excited because we're reuniting, yeah. So, all right, so basically we, they go home. They take the daughter home, and her mom, of course, is super excited to see her. And she's like, well, you know, I'm a mutant, mama, and uh, I need help. So I get, it kind of seems like maybe she's going to go back to the school. No, oh, yeah. we'll see. You know, which... That would be interesting, because concurrently, if you haven't read the last issue of Uncanny X-Men, which is amazing, Scott basically closes his school and turns everybody over to the Jean Grey school and decides that he's not fit to teach students anymore. Interesting. So it'll be really interesting. We won't get to see these guys go home yet, because they're going to go right to outer space <laughs> to meet the Guardians of the Galaxy. But eventually, uh, when they come home, we'll, it will be interesting to see how they respond to that. Or if they do, they may go straight from outer space to secret world, for all I know. <laughs> Just one adventure to the next. They may never get home again. But yes, you were alluding, uh, Young Beast is like, you know what? I've seen all these different worlds and they're all evil. We got to fix this one now. This is where we are. Man. Can't worry about being in the wrong place in the wrong time. We, we just got to, we got to fix it. And it says, next issue, the training of Jean Grey, which will not happen. So, one of those weird things, all-new X-Men number 37 will come out after all-new X-Men number 39. Because they had already solicited the Black Vortex issues as 38 and 39, but then they got behind. So, instead of renumbering the story of Jean Grey, it's still going to be 37, but it's not going to come out yet. Wow. Yeah, weird. 
And also, this series is uh, drawing to a close. Of course, news I guess we should talk about. Bendis is leaving the X-Books. Boo. Right? In time for Secret Wars, he's going to wrap up all his stories, and that includes ending this series. So there's a lot of speculation that goes into that. Uh, How many of the new X-Men might stay in the post-Secret War universe, or they'll just kind of go back to their own time and disappear. I bet at least a couple of them stick around. Is it really called Secret War? Yeah. If it's war, it's not secret. Well, not to us, the readers, but to everybody else. It's secret in the confines of the comic books. There's been a lot of speculation about what Bendis is going to do next, because, of course, he just signed an extension at Marvel, so he's not going anywhere. A lot of that is leaned on. He's been teasing a solo Jean Grey book, so we'll see. No, Um, boo. (laughs) You're not growing on this, Jean? I am. I am, and I'm not. I am, and then that part of me that... You just can't let go. Jean, can't Jean let go. Gray is like, no, no, she's awful. She's <laughs> right. awful. Remember that. It's like when a dog bites you and you love animals and you go, oh, it's just that one time he's so cute and he's been kind of nice. Maybe he'll be <coughs> friendly. Yeah. That. Well, anyway, more. I know Bendis will do something. I'm a lot more curious to see where Azrar ends up post Secret War. So be interesting to see where everybody everybody goes. But um. Anyway, that is neither here nor there at the moment. Let's talk about this issue again. What do you think of the art? Loved it. Yep, yep. One of my favorite artists right now. Uh, just loving Azrar stuff to death. What do you think of this story? I thought it was a little, like, are we talking about the overall story or just this, this is one issue. in particular? Yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked the funny commentary that was mixed yes. in. I thought Doom was a little too easy to take down. Yeah, but they were running out of room. Yeah. <laughs> It reminded me of like, you know, the Indiana Jones, I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, when the guy comes out with the sword and he like swings it all around and you're expecting like this big fancy sword fight and Jones pulls out his gun. Well, that actually works though. This one, I can see what you're saying that they seem to have, they seem to get a little less powerful as the fight went on and maybe, I don't know, maybe he has levels like a video game, but his energy bar went down. (laughs) Anyway, I liked the story quite a bit. I thought it was a great ending overall to the story. I liked how they kind of hopped around in different dimensions. Oh, can't believe I didn't say this. One thing we know for sure that Bendis is doing is, you know how Secret War is going to have a bunch of, of books that focus on some of the different alternate universes? Yes. Well, Bendis is doing an Old Man Logan series. Okay. With uh, Andrea Sorrentino. And so that was probably a little tease showing that couple of panels of Old Man Logan here. You know, kind of get you primed, prime the pump a little bit. But yeah, so that's one thing he'll be doing for sure. So I like the idea that they kind of hopped through these new dimensions on their way back home. Kind of just gave us little peeks of different things, including this this cool, weird apocalypse universe. Yeah, that was weird. Very intriguing, though. And everybody looked cool in it. They did. The horsemen looked awesome. So, um, anyway, I thought it was a good story. Like I said, I love Bendis' dialogue and his his wit. And I love the way he writes Iceman. And in this time, in this case, both Iceman. And X-23, I thought, came off really well. I um, did, too. So. She's becoming one of my new favorite characters. Yeah, I like her a lot. So, what do you want to grade all new X-Men number 36? I'm going to give it five out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it six out of six, Claus. I thought it was a great comic. I would have gotten six out of six, just the whole Doom died a little easy. Well, he's not dead. Right, but 
Okay, he gave up a little too easy. He went to regroup and make more Doombots. If that had been a little bit more interesting, then I think it would have been different. Well, all right. Well, that's our Wolverine Roundup. Yee-haw! Oh, you know what? No, it's not. Take that back. Um, <laughs> okay, so I forgot. Uh, we also have Magneto number 15, which is written by Colin Bunn, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jordi Belair, uh, letters by VC's Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo! and the cover is by Dan Panosian. And it's a pretty sweet cover. Magneto's basically uh, busting up the shield, shield, <laughs> or crest, whatever you want to call it. The shield, shield. Um, he's breaking it up with his power. So if you haven't been reading this series, it's been pretty awesome. Basically, Magneto has let himself be captured by shield. And there's all kinds of like twist and turns and double crosses and triple crosses and Basically, S.H.I.E.L.D. has stolen Cerebro technology and has this big tracking list and database of mutants. And Magneto erases it. And then, of course, he escapes and uh, he erases their database. And he basically says, hey, I'm going to go back to Genosha and take it. And you're not going to do anything about it. And then just to prove a point, he has the Marauders come on the helicarrier and kind of wreck some havoc. And one of the Marauders is Sabretooth, all dressed in black. Now, I think that these are Marauders that he re-cloned. So I don't think it's the same Sabretooth, which is how this meshes with our timeline. Because this series, we already had a crossover with Axis. So we know this is post-Axis, where we have good guy Sabretooth. And this is definitely not good guy Sabretooth. Though he looks awesome. It's basically his old uniform, but in black and white instead of yellow and brown. It looks really, really cool. Anyway, he's about to kill a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and uh, Magneto says, You know what? You're too violent. No thanks. And he throws him into a turbine. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought that was pretty cool, but like I said, I I think it's just a clone. But he does call him Victor, so unless he's naming his clones. I don't know. Anyway, the art was great. The story was great. This series is still kicking ass and taking names. And um, I'm going to give Magneto number 15 six out of six claws. Now, that is the end of our Wolverine Roundup. Yee-haw! All right. Okay, next up we have Uncanny Avengers number two featuring Sabretooth. Ooh. Pussycat Sabretooth. Writer Uh, is Rick Remender. Artist is Daniel Acuna. And letter is BC's Clayton Cowles. And the cover is also by Acuna. It's a pretty cool cover, I guess. I still really like his vision design. Now we have Vision phasing through a big horny toad. Then we have Sabretooth getting wrestled by a rubber robot. And then we have some guy with a blunt object flying through the air. And, you know, some other stuff going around. Uh, it's a pretty cool cover. It's very light for Acuna. It this is. stuff's usually a lot darker than this, so that was interesting. I really like the colors on it. Yeah. So we are in... All right, so um, remember, let's catch us up. Oh, okay. So remember Scarlet Witch and... Quicksilver have figured out that Magneto's not really their father. And so they went to Wondagore to try to find out the truth of their origin. And they got sent to, uh, what's it called? Other, no, Counter-Earth. Counter-Earth. And we've met the High Evolutionary and his new men. So the new Evolutionary is kicking Sabretooth around. Yep. I really like our uh, Sabretooth internal monologue here. Yeah. Um, he goes, the hell did I ever do to deserve this? Oh. Right. (laughs) 
Duh. And he talks about how he doesn't have like his super violent, murderous instinct anymore, and that's what always got him out of out of scraps is that he just was angry and murderous, and it didn't really matter. He just killed whoever he wanted. And now that's gone. He has to find another way to kind of win fights. I really like what he says. Remender kind of nails, I think, the thesis of what this new Sabretooth is going to try to be. Right. And he says, uh, maybe old Sabretooth ain't the scrapper he once was, but I'd rather die with that gone than live with any more blood on my hands. That is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So, anyway, he gets a chance to die because a high evolutionary shoots him with his magic forehead ball. And uh, puts a ginormous hole right in his sternum. And he falls into the water. And the high evolutionary's like, you know what? We're, we're going to get rid of these people because... <laughs> he goes on a super Nazi speech. You know, he's always trying to evolve species to reach perfection. That's been his shtick since like the 70s or 80s or whenever he came around. Um, well, he's decided that this new group of animal-type people are not, beneath him. Nope. They have emotions and uh, have had other children born that aren't perfect. We see a deer kid in a wheelchair. We see a cheetah lady and a zebra man holding hands. We see a guy who's clearly wrong because he's a lion, and then he has a giraffe head coming out of his head. <laughs> just kidding. The giraffe's standing behind him, but still, you get it. So he just he basically tells these people... You're not perfect, yep. so I'm going to annihilate you. Yep, I'm going to wipe you all from the face of counter-earth and start over. And Sabretooth jumps out like, don't you dare. That's a pretty cool panel. It is, and the high evolutionary kind of freezes him in midair. <laughs> and Sabretooth says, question mark. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you're interesting. You healed yourself. I can use you. Yep, nobody and else, though. <laughs> nope. So he takes himself and Sabretooth, so yeah. Sabretooth doesn't get annihilated. And he and turns just, into the sun god. Yeah, completely genocides this whole universe. Burns it all away. And I like how it goes to a full black page. Yeah, I He basically like says, I've done this a thousand times, and I'll do it a thousand more. Basically, until I finally get care. the perfect people. Why, yeah. why doesn't he just clone himself? Because then he's not perfect, then he has to <laughs> annihilate himself. <laughs> sure. Uh, so we go back and we we see the Scarlet Witch and um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver and they're laying on flat tables. <laughs> gurney looking things. Yeah, space gurneys. Yeah, and so um, Scarlet Witch kind of has this internal monologue of where are we? Are we in a medical lab? There's no restraints. This doesn't make any sense. I promise Quicksilver we find out who our daddy is. Yeah. And then, oh wait, there's voices, angry voices. And then you can hear there's a group of people in the other room. And they're basically, this woman's yelling at a guy that's like, dude, we could have got those people out of there before he annihilated them. And the guy's yeah. like, you know what? This guy just walks out and goes, it's sunny today. I'm going to annihilate this town. <laughs> we can't I prepare. have a runny nose. Everybody dies. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because they're arguing back and forth over. My like, erectile dysfunction came back. Death to all of you. Yeah. And she's just mad because the only people they saved were Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. These two trespassers. Yeah. But she calls them the low evolutionary. I'm going to admit, I probably should have Wikipedia'd. I don't really know that much about the high evolutionary as far as all his old Avenger stories. So not really caught up on all the lore there. I remember him from the Evolutionary War crossover, but that's about it. I kind of intentionally have skipped him most of the times when I saw him. Because <laughs> I never really cared for the character, um, to be honest. 
But I'm guessing from the end of this book that this is the high evolutionary sun. And that would be my guess. Then we go to... Matrix world. <laughs> some other weird place where a guy can hear all of these voices. Yeah, the new brother voodoo. You can hear the voices of the dead. I, I thought this visually was done pretty well. Oh, yeah, I agree. So he's got a bunch of voices in his head and he's and like... Turn into glowing ghosts. Yeah. Ghosty animal people. I do kind of love how he's like, dude, one of you talk at a time. <laughs> right. So the high evolutionary's daughter becomes a spokesperson. Uh, I guess she said, we should just let people be people. And so he killed her. He crushed her skull while In she her slept. Sleep. Yeah. Hardcore little bastard. Yeah. So then we go back to the high evolutionary's counter earth. This was actually kind of cool. A nice little bit of sci-fi, I remember. So after he's destroyed the earth, he calls up these tree people or these dirt people and they're going to like not do anything people wise. They're going to fix the buildings and fix the vegetation and uh, get rid of the remains. Yeah, it's interesting because he says grow trees, consume the remains of the failed for tomorrow I replant. But we see, remember that uh, Captain America or Falcon Cap was captured by these tree people last time, and we see that now he has become one. Ooh. He's one with nature. Uh, then we go back, and they have Sabretooth kind of like chained up. Yeah. They're torturing him. He's being interrogated by Mr. Alligator. And apparently, he looks like a horny toad, not an alligator. I was going to say, he looks like a TCU mascot. <laughs> he looks like the TCU mascot, exactly. But apparently Mr. Horny Toad is not getting uh, the results. So hi evolutionary comes in and goes i can make him scream and he, yeah, and he does out. what exactly pulls out his nervous system that's what it looks like but it's red i don't know it's weird and they're like hmm. Hmm, interesting healing factor and he, he's got a little thing that he can look at like the end of the nerves so he knows that uh not only apparently are mystique and scarlet witch not magneto's children they're not even really mutants which leads just more uh, fuel for the fires that they're going to end up being in humans. Is that where it's going? That's the rumor, yeah. Oh, okay. Partially for movie stuff and stuff like that. Now, so this little... Birdman. Yeah, so does he have Rogue? Yes, but he's hiding her from the high evolutionary. He says he's detected no mutants, which is weird because you would think he would say Cassandra's a mutant, too. Right. So, but anyway... But anyway, he he says, you know, I await the nervous system arrival because it looks like you're going to like FedEx the nervous system. I think they're going to send him all of Sabretooth. But oh. yeah, anyway. So then we uh, meet Luminous, who is very luminous. Who is in what the hell is she wearing? I don't know, but I, I kind of like this design. I think her hair looks cool. Okay. And she's all bluey. Uh-huh. She's like a Tron stripper. <laughs> That's a good word for it. <laughs> anyway, she has to go kill her brother and sister, who I'm assuming are the guys that captured, or not captured, but rescued Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Okay, I'm sorry. She has no hoo-ha. You want it defined? <laughs> I can't tell if that's just supposed to be like nude, like nude colored costume, or no, that's, her, that's, that's her the top of her thighs. Okay. That's a bathing suit type. Uniform that makes the V over the VJJ because it starts with the V. Did you know that's why our clothes are shaped that way? I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> anyway, and you can see just a little bit of the top of her luscious thighs. 
Thanks. Did you call it a comic <laughs> legend? <laughs> Please refrain from licking the page. Oh, whatever. And she has little uh, glowy sperm things coming out of her hand. Yeah, and she has no nipple guards. Where's her nipples? They're taped. <laughs> she got her costume. This is just Lady Gaga. <laughs> oh, man. All right, other than the last page, what did you think of the art? Um, I really enjoyed it. I did, too. I think I've said this over and over and probably will always say it, but Acuna does really good sci-fi art. So when stuff's really sci-fi, he excels. So I really dug the art. And... Contrary to my admissions about the high evolutionary, I was actually pretty interested in this story. I th- I found it intriguing that he would I just still, wipe out an entire race. Yeah, of and just do it over again, and over and over and over. He called it his. Te- it's not his civilization. It's a test tube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I said last issue, I issued the challenge. I threw the gauntlet to Remender to make the high evolutionary interesting to me, and he just might be doing it. Okay. Uh, What are you going to grade Uncanny Avengers number two? I'm going to give it five out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it six out of six claws. Oh. I really enjoyed it. Had a lot lot of fun. Yeah. So anyway, that's the uh, Uncanny Avengers uh, with Sabretooth. Okay. So next up, we have our Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men crossover. The Black Vortex. Text. 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 Black. Black, black, black. <laughs> Ooh, the backwards echo. <laughs> yeah, so this is our uh, our space saga. Um, we have four issues to cover. Uh, so we'll, four? We'll, yeah, Did I sign we'll, up for four? What? Did I sign up for four? Yes. Man, yep. I really got to renegotiate my contract. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we'll run through these real quick. Of course, X-23 is a staple on the all-new X-Men team. So she'll be in all these... So we start off with the Black Vortex Alpha issue. The saga begins here. And this is written by Sam Humphreys with pencils by Ed McGinnis and additional pencils by Chris Anka. Because one pencil wasn't enough. That's right. And then uh, we have Chris Anka, Mark Farmer, Jay, shh, listen. And Mark Morales is the inkers. And then Marte Gracia and Marcello Maiolo, our colorist, and then VC's Travis Lanham is the letterer. That name's not fun to woohoo to. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, our cover is by Ed McGinnis and Justin Ponsor, and it's a pretty sweet cover. We basically have the Black Vortex front and center, and then kind of our whole cast of characters behind it. Kind of looks like a movie poster. It's pretty yeah, cool. The Black Vortex looks kind of Mayan. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But space earring and he's space Mayan. Yes. He was supposed to come back in 2012. Yeah, he he lost his watch. <laughs> yep. So uh, we start off with our our cast and crew staring at the black vortex. Really like the, that I guess outline. they wouldn't be the northern lights because they're out in the middle of space. But that, that coloring look in the sky looks really cool. That aurora. Yeah. And I also really enjoy uh, Ed McGinnis' Star Lord. Yeah, I also like, um, I know they're looking at the black vortex, but I just like how it's kind of grayish tone trimmed in blue. Yeah, I really dig that. And I dig how like you see four of the X-Men front and center and then everyone else is just a little silhouette. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so then we go back in time. No, that's a dream sequence. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
uh, to 12 billion years ago on the planet Viscardi. And we have one of the Celestials standing watch. And he this team, almost looks like a sentinel. Uh, kind of, yeah. But a little more Kirby-esque as the Celestials were. So this race has decided they're trying to uh, begin their space program. But the rockets keep blowing up. And they say, nine rockets, nine failures. We made it from the caves to the sky in four generations. Is this it? Impossible. I really like the design of this alien race by McGinnis. They look pretty cool. They look um, squid-like, fishy. Uh, kind of, yeah. I can see that. Um, anyway, then the, uh, the celestial moves and waves his hand and uh, brings about the black vortex. We see at first what it is. It's basically a, a mirror that acts as a space steroids. Yeah, so it brings you to your cosmic potential. Yeah, pretty much. And so basically bulks you up, makes you look really badass. So then, of course, we go back to regular time, and Storm and Beast are arguing about the uh, space-time continuum. I thought this was pretty cool. The only thing I didn't like is it didn't really sound like the Beast we've, we had at the beginning of All-New X-Men when he first brought the new X-Men back like to the present from the past. I can kind of knew... And he was messing with stuff. He just felt like he had to. And then in this conversation, he's kind of like, well, I don't really understand what I did. But I don't know. So that felt inconsistent to me. Then, of course, with Chris Anka, we start this. We have this thing where scenes will be in random colors right, that aren't natural to the scene. Like this yeah. orange and maroon thing, which is cool. Yeah, we'll talk about more of that more about that later. But then we see the all-new X-Men. Um, they're with Magic. And they've come to get Beast because they need to go save Kitty in outer space. Then we go back to outer space where the Guardians are playing some space Dungeons and Dragons game. And uh, Peter shows up through his thing and basically tells him, Hey, I need you. This is what we've been doing. We stole the Black Vortex from my dad. And uh, yeah, so everybody come to us. And everybody does. And they all get together and hug. X-23 and... I don't Is that Venom, I guess? are comparing what's sharpest. And then my favorite part about this whole thing, and maybe my favorite line in the whole series so far, young Iceman uh, goes up to Groot, and he says, Luther says, I am Groot. <laughs> and of course, I am Groot says, I am Groot. And Iceman's like, unreal. And then Peter Quill's like, will you guys quit hugging and high-fiving and listen to me? We have this crazy black vortex thing. What are we going to do? The Slaughter Squad's coming for us. We can't let this fall in the wrong hands. And we get a full-page splash of Storm seeing her cosmic potential, basically as a big galactic storm goddess. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, that actually looks really, really badass. I only have one complaint with it. It's her costume. It looks space-agey. It's another example of a Tron stripper. Yes, and funny how her circle lands <laughs> <laughs> right over something. Glowing nipples. Oh, no, I'm talking about other things. Oh, it does kind of paint a target, does it? Yes, it does. A hoo-ha landing zone. Yes. Um, yeah, all right. Well, you are clear for landing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, just outside of Austin, actually on the way to Lockhart from Austin, the old way, before you had all the toll roads. Uh-huh. When me and the guys in one of our bands went to play in Lockhart, we were leaving Austin, and there's this big billboard for the landing strip, which uh -huh. was the strip club. Oh. 
in out between Austin and Lockhart. And of course, also the landing strip is, uh, you know, yeah, a certain way to uh, not procure. Yeah, yeah, to procure your um, the hair in your nether region <laughs> for a female. I'm sure they did it on purpose. I know they did, but we always thought it was really funny. It is funny, and I'm uh, totally sure they did it on purpose. <laughs> so anyway, back to the Black Vortex. So we see what happened to the Viscardis after this waiting chain achieved her cosmic potential. So they all went and saw the wizard. They all got and looked in the mirror and came out something different, and they basically went nuts and killed each other. And then the Celestial takes off. <laughs> My work here is done. All right, so then the X-Men and Guardians argue over what to do with the Black Vortex. Of course, Storm wants to destroy it. The Guardians aren't sure. But then the Slaughter Squad shows up, and they're like, we're going to take it. And so they all start fighting. We get a double-page spread of everybody, like, in a big brawl. X-23 looks weird in this panel. She looks elfish. Yeah, she's like, hee-hee-hee, I get to cut somebody. Yeah. She, what's that leprechaun? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And so the bad guys grab the Black Vortex away from Gamora, but too late, she already achieved her potential, and she turns into, like, super spacey Gamora. Well, like, the fold, the inside of her cloak and part of her, her bodysuit, like, looks like stars. Kind of like, if you haven't seen this, kind of picture old-school Donna Troy, where her suit was like, you could see the, the galaxy through her clothes. That's kind of what we got here, and this last page looks amazing. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I really dig the design for a Black Vortex Gamora. It's really nice. I like her skull belt buckle with the two fangs, and her cloak, she has a hood now, and it looks really, really cool. All right, so what do you think of the art between McGinnis and Anka? Loved it. Yep, this series, or this issue, well, the series too, but this issue uh, looks amazing. Uh, what do you think of the story? I liked it. Yeah, me too. I'm on board. I thought it was a nice, fun little, uh, it kind of, the black vortex, the way it looks, this kind of, and, and also with Star Wars attitude, which is kind of a coincidence since, uh, Chris Pratt has been signed on, or is that official? Anyway, for Indiana Jones. This kind of has an Indiana Jones in space feel to me. It does. Like, you know, the Black Vortex is this artifact we got to hunt down. And and Emperor Dekin, I'm sorry, not Dekin, that's Shi'ar guy. Uh, Emperor Jason and his slaughter squad, they're kind of Nazi-ish. Yeah. And just a fun romp space adventure with different powers and stuff. So anyway... Uh, what are you going to grade Black Vortex Alpha? I'm going to give it 5 out of 6. I'm also going to give it 5 out of 6 claws. So our next chapter is Guardians of the Galaxy 24, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by the unfor- unfortunately named Valerio Shitty, colors by Jason <laughs> Keith, letters by VC's Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo! and the cover is by Shitty and Keith. And on the cover we have our Guardians of the Galaxy, and then some random girl seducing... Star-Lord that is never in the comic. Oh, we also have Howard the Duck and a brood and a watcher. And, and a dog. Warlock from New Mutants hanging out in the back and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I guess it's just kind of a picture they drew and decided to put on this cover. <laughs> Star-Lord's the king. Yeah, it looks cool. I mean, it's a nice looking cover. So is it supposed to be like a Princess Leia type thing? I don't know. 
Anyway, so we pick up where we left off. Uh, everyone's in just astounded by this new black vortex Gamora. And um, she continues to kick the slaughter squad's butt. And uh, so they're like, well, maybe this black vortex isn't all bad after all. And uh, Beast, young Beast is looking at it. Well, he kind of sneaks up to it. Yeah. He's curious. Yeah, they argue. Um, Star-Lord's like, well, this powers us up. We have it. It's, an, it's a tool. Why don't we use it? And Kenny's like, no. How could you even consider that? And then they're arguing some more. I do love when they argue. He's like, you're going to break up with me over this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really en- I've been enjoying the relationship quite a bit. I have, um, too. I didn't think... At first, I was hesitant, but I really like it. And I like how uh, Captain Marvel is like, not everything in the galaxy is something bad. And then Drax says, I'll destroy it. But Gamora says, no, you won't. Do weapons just magically come out of her cosmic cape? Yeah, weapons. You can pull weapons from the... Co- it's almost like a, like a wormhole in her cape. It's pretty cool. But while they're arguing, even though young Beast snuck over to it and was poking at it, Old Beast also sneaks up, and he goes Black Vortex style. What do you think of his design? He reminded me of a cross between Beast and Nightcrawler. A little bit, yeah. It's definitely kind of exaggerated limbs. I thought it was pretty cool. So then we go back over to Mr. Knife. Of course, his Emperor Jason. He's talking to his brood delegate, and he has Thane and Ebony Maw, and they kind of conspire behind his back. Like, we're going to go get the Black Vortex and use it to defeat my dad, Thanos. So, Black Vortex Beast is like, this is amazing. I can see everything. And all these planets look a little bit like, I know, Denise, you haven't been reading along uh, Hickman's Avengers stuff, but it looks like incursions, kind of. So I'm wondering if he's kind of seeing, uh, there's kind of a hint at Secret War coming up. Of course, X-23 is like, all right, enough of this crap. I'm going to destroy this. But uh, Black Vortex Beast molests her with electricity. While she gets up, Nova shows up. So I guess at some point they send out a distress call and Nova answers it. And uh, Gamora grabs the Black Vortex and says, No, I think if you see what you would be, you'll agree we need to do this. And she shows them all in our last double page spread. Yeah, I tried to pinpoint who I thought everybody was. All right, so we have... Jean, who looks kind of Phoenixy. Which one's Jean? All right, with the red hair. In the left. Yeah, so going okay. left to right. Okay. Up and around. We have Venom, uh, Giant Monster Greek. Of course, we already saw Storm, uh, Rocket. Like I said, just space steroids. He just becomes a giant. Uh, Nova looks really cool. All right, then I get a little iffy. I don't know who this old samurai lady is. Is that supposed? To... No. That's is it not... Kitty? It almost has to be, because we'll go through the rest. I think she's the only one left. We have Captain Marvel. We have Lockheed. X-23 basically looks like an electric Wolverine. We have Angel, Beast, Old Beast. See, where's Young Beast? I think that is Young Beast. Old Beast has like a glass hood on him. Oh, okay. So Magic, Star-Lord, Drax. And I'm guessing the, the Iceman turns into a girl. Poor Iceman. <laughs> no, I think that's just ice and steam coming off his head, but it looks like girl hair. So the old samurai lady, almost for reasons that don't make sense, has to be Kitty, right? Because she's the only one left. Yeah, and if you look at like the panel where they're looking into it, Kitty is behind Drax. So. Okay, yeah, so it's got to be her. Yeah. All right, cool. What do you think of this art? 
I thought it was really cool until, um, I guess it's in the next book, someone else turns, but they don't look anything like, or they kind of look like it, but not really. But anyway, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Just leave it at that. I thought Shitty's art was anything but. I really enjoy his art. Uh, what do you think of the story? I liked it, and I, I liked it because of the, not only that, like, each side made a good argument. Right. You know, like Kitty's like, we don't know what this is. But then Star-Lord's comment was, okay, but you're X-Men. You're used to dealing with things on the Earth and we deal with things in the galaxy. Yeah, but the X-Men have been in space a lot. Yeah, but he had a point. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And the whole like, well, this doesn't have to be bad just because it's power doesn't mean it's evil. Just because it's called the Black Vortex doesn't mean, (laughs) you know. But yeah, so what are you going to grade Guardians of the Galaxy number 24? I'm going to give it five out of six. Oh, yeah. Me too. Five out of six claws. All right. Chapter three, Legendary Star-Lord number nine. We're back to Sam Humphreys as writer. Paco Medina as pencils. Juan Velasco as inks. David Curiel, the colors. VCs, Joe Caramagna, the letters. And, of course, uh, Paco does the cover. On the cover, we have Star-Lord and Kitty about to shoot each other in front of the Black Vortex. What do you think of the cover? I don't like Kitty, but I think it's a. I think the layout's cool. Yeah, kind of. She kind of her face kind of looks weird. And why she gotta be laying down? Like I think it'd be cooler if they were on equal footing. Yeah, that's a good cover. All right, so chapter three, of course, we see Vortex, Gamora, and Beast. Are like, all right, this is the bee's knees, the shiznit. Uh, let's turn everybody into the Black Vortex and go, you know, remake the universe in our own image, make it a paradise. Iceman and Angel are like, yeah, this looks pretty cool. And Angel actually goes up to it, and man, he looks awesome. Yeah. Black Vortex Angel looks amazing. It kind of looks like if you did Archangel nowadays in space, kind of what he would look like. He also kind of reminds me of the Angel of Death. Yeah, definitely. So they argue some more. Everybody keeps arguing. Uh, X-23 is like, whoa, Warren, uh, what's going on there, buddy? And he's like, yeah, oh, we're all insignificant. And Iceman starts to go up, but Drax stops him, says he's going to destroy it. Uh, Storm flies off with it. She's going to destroy it. Our bad guys argue some more about going to get the Black Vortex. Then our, our good guys argue some more about what they're going to do with the Black Vortex. Gamora basically steals it from Storm. Storm and her have a sword fight, which I really enjoyed this fight. Between two very strong, kick-ass female characters. Well, and what I like is how Storm rips it from Gamora's cape. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But it's all interrupted by Thanos. Uh-oh. Yeah, but it turns out that a Beast can see right through it. It's just a mental projection from young Jean. Because that was the only thing she could find in Gamora's mind that would scare her. Well, yeah, and I love how they're like, Drax, is she afraid of anything else? Nope. Nope. <laughs> and then, of course, she's like, how dare you use my father's image to try to destroy me? And she tries to kill Jean, but her sword goes right through her. And it turns out that Kitty grabbed Gamora and phased her. So she phased through Jean. Kitty, they all make a run for it. And, of course, Gamora's giant axe sword breaks because it's not phased anymore in the rock. And Drax punches Gamora out. So they decide, all right, well... We're going to destroy y'all now. But then Angel's like, no, we don't have to. He takes the black vortex and flies off. It's mine. Mine. All mine. I'm a flying monkey. And then the slaughter squad shows up to, they don't know the black vortex is gone. So they're going to destroy our heroes. And that's where we leave off. So what do you think of this art? Fabulous. Yep. 
Loved it. Love Paco Medina. He's he's great. Uh, what do you think of this story? I love this story. Yeah, more fun. More fun in outer space with great art. Uh, so what do you grade Legendary Star Lord number nine? This one's actually going to get six out of six. All right, I'm staying five out of six. Five Ooh. out of six claws for a Legendary Star Lord number nine. All right, chapter four is all-new X-Men 38, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Marcello... Maiolo, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Sorrentino and Maiolo. Um, it's some kind of psychedelic, spacey cover. Uh, we have like this glowing spiral thing and then images of the all-new X-Men inside of it. It's okay. Interspersed with the Guardians. I like it. I like the color work and I like, I just, I like Sorrentino's pencils. I will um, say, just as a side note to all of them that we've just read, I don't like when the, the first time they talk about the Black Vortex, they use the Black Vortex logo. They do? So like in the other books, All it'll right. be like, this is the Black Vortex, and they use the Black Vortex like masthead logo. Oh, yes. That drives me nuts. Oh, okay. All right, so we talk about basically every civilization and how settlers find native people, and they're more advanced, and they try to introduce the advancements. The natives... They're less advanced. See, the advancement is like demons or magic or whatever. And they don't understand it, can't comprehend it. Basically, our Black Vortex people are like, that's how y'all are now. We have all this supreme cosmic knowledge and power. And you are ants, germs that don't understand it. We're doing this for your own good. And they go to another planet to test their thesis. They're going to make it over. They're going to evolve this poor little species. But they get shot. Gamora actually gets shot like through the back by a big space cannon. And it's a giant Kree warship. And Gamora reaches for the vortex which she dropped. But, um... Somebody crushes her hand. Oh, uh, Is that... Crap, it's a guy from the movie. I know his name. Um, Thanos? No, 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 no. It's... Shoot. A monkey in the butt. Ronan the Acu- Accuser. I can't believe massive... Intergalactic brain fart. Ronan the Accuser. 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 Yeah, Accusa. Ronan the Accuser brings his big, you know, sledgehammer axe thing. And this double page spread of him attacking Gamora is amazing. Uh, I liked it and I didn't like it. Yeah, so so Denise really, and I'm kind of on the fence. She really doesn't like this. This is kind of a trend we're starting to see. I first noticed it popping up a lot in uh, the art team that was doing um, Green Lantern Corps, where you have all these panels kind of mixed in where you want to show emotion, and so you do it like in these really bright, flat colors. It'll be kind of monotone. Monochromatic. Monochromatic, yes, there you go. And so there's three of those on this double-page spread, but one page is Ronan lifting his his, uh, weapon, and the next phrase is him with a big clang, Landing it on Gamora's sword. And just the colors around that look awesome. Yeah. It's one of my favorite panels of the series so far. So Ronan wraps it up in a giant chain, which looks freaking sweet. And he takes the Black Vortex away to the Kree. And uh, Gamora's like, um, okay, well, I guess we got to follow him. So we go back to the Spartex moon. Some of the Guardians survive. They think their friends are dead. But magic teleported them away and saved them. But X-23 is still pretty roughed up. Now in the timeline, is this... Has she I don't know how to her? compare all this to Wolverines. Okay. 
So don't ask. Okay, <laughs> I won't. So uh, Star Lord Ship, the bad boy, shows up. And he says, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you, yep, bad says, boys? We're gonna fly boys. off and give them the finger. That's what we're gonna do. And so they do. <laughs> Which, of course, reminded me of the movie. And I, you know, that, that brings up a good point. I feel like this whole series, not just the Guardians part, but the X-Men team, like all of this has a very similar vibe to the Guardians movie. It does. And that's a good vibe, so I enjoyed that. All right, so then we see our three Black Vortex, I guess we'll call them heroes, Gamora, Beast, and Angel, basically go nuke on the Kree homeworld and say, if you don't give us the Black Vortex, we'll destroy you all. You're going down. Yeah. Right? And so our other X-Men Guardian Nova heroes with Captain Marvel. That's a mouthful. They're flying through space in the bad boy. And uh, they're kind of lost. And they meet up with Cyclops. Young Cyclops, of course, has been out in space in his solo series ever since he left all new X-Men with his dad and the Starjammers. And so this is going to be his entrance and probably their entrance into this crossover. So is that his dad? Given the the rock and roll sign in the background? Yeah. Probably. Rock on, dude. Yeah, so what do you think of this art? I know you didn't like the monochromatic stuff. It was okay. I enjoyed the first three books art way more. See, I it's different, but I like it almost as much. I, but I really like Sorrentino's pencils. I agree I could do without some of the, the color stuff, but the stuff that's colored just normally, I love. Yeah, the stuff that's colored normally, I think it's is great. The Some of the other stuff that I'm just eh, on the fence with. Right. All right. Fair enough. What do you think of the story? I think the story's awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's got me hooked. I want to know what's going to happen next. All right, so what are you going to grade all new X-Men number 38? I'm only going to give it four out of six, and that's strictly because of the art. Okay, I'm going to keep with my five out of six. (laughs) Yeah, so this Black Vortex series, I just feel like is, it's just really high adventure. It's fun. It's in space. Like I said, it has just the Guardians movie vibe if you enjoy the movie and you enjoy marvel cosmic stuff at all and you enjoy the x-men in space uh this 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 crossover is for you it looks great all these issues looked fantastic they're all really fun what so what's your overall thought so far so far i'm hooked and i can't wait for the next one yeah i agree all right so that's our uh, that's our black vortex for this episode cool okay and last but not least we have a very short hey Remember when Wolverine was alive? Uh, we have Nightcrawler number 11, written by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Nauck, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and then Nauck and Rosenberg did the cover, which is an awesome cover, a big purple Nightcrawler, I guess in mid-teleport is the best way to describe it. It looks really cool, and the, the title looks really cool. It's like part of the image. It's a fantastic cover. Fantastic art. So this series is kind of... Uh, Went downhill really faster in that uh, Shadow King story. Here we have Nightcrawler uh, going to save Rico and Ziggy, the two students who got captured by the Crimson Pirates as part of their intergalactic child slavery ring. Yeah, basically he does. He goes to save them. The kids actually do a pretty good job of saving themselves. And they're going to leave, but the kids have to remind Nightcrawler, hey, we can't leave these kids here. Nightcrawler says, but we can't save everybody. And the kids are like, why not? And Nightcrawler admires 
their idealism, remembers when he used to have it, sees Kitty Pride and these two students, and they decide, okay, that's what we're going to do. So the art was really cool, as usual. Really cool on the first page. There's like Bamps running around between the panels. Looks really cool as Nightcrawler is getting ready. And then there's a scene where they show like, so they're going to bid on these two X-Men. To increase the bids, they show their future, like their potential. And so we see Rico, of course, he's a little scorpion guy and he grows up to be a badass looking dude. And then Ziggy turns into a badass uh, space chick. So that drives up the bids. Uh, but yeah, like I said, art's really good. The series, I was getting ready to drop it during that Shadow King story. Then I found out that there's only 12 issues, so I might as well just finish it. But this one was fun. See, this is what, what old Claremont can still do. Just a nice kind of fun adventure. Yeah, so it worked. Oh, I guess I should say what. <laughs> so when Nightcrawler's getting ready, he looks at a, a holographic picture of Jean Grey and Wolverine. And uh, make some comment about how they're torn between love and passion and whatever. And he's trying to decide if he loves Amanda or this bloody Bess or whatever her name is. The space pirate chick he's hooking up with right now. So that's our Wolverine kind of appearance. So I'm going to give Nightcrawler number 11. This is uh, a very refreshing issue, like I said, after that Shadow King crap. I'm going to give it 4 out of 6 claws. All right, cool. That was a... Hey! Remember when Logan was alive? Or Wolverine? But anyway, remember? All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I think we're ready to get out of here. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, please leave an iTunes review, like the Facebook page. Uh, you can find show notes at uh, on the webpage, stuff like that. Uh, snickcast.podbean.com. Email is snickcast at yahoo.com. Twitter is at snickcast. And yeah, that's it. I'm all out of banner. You're all out of banner or banter? I always swear to that T. Yeah, I'm all out of banter. Banter, baby. And apparently you're not. <laughs> I could go for days. You keep serving it right up to me. That's right. With yeah. a scoop and a cherry. What? With a scoop, like a scoop of ice cream with a cherry. Okay. That was a weird way to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my weird Louisiana ways. Is that what we're blaming it on? Yes. Every do anything weird, you're just going to say, hey, Louisiana. It's because I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> anyway, I'm out. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.